Hello, my name is Lavina Ray, Chair of NSH's Awards Committee. In this series, Awards Cast, recipients of various NSH awards and scholarships will discuss the projects these scholarships have funded and share some of the life-changing opportunities they have encountered as a result of their involvement in the scholarship program. I'm here with Dr. Richard Carton, the sponsor of the Jules Elias Excellence in IHC Award and last year's recipient of this award, Damien Laudier. They're here today to talk about the history behind this amazing award and the work that Damien is doing that prompted his colleagues to nominate him. So Dr. Carton, Damien, do you guys want to start off by introducing yourselves? Uh, certainly. Hi everyone, this is Richard Carton. Before I begin, I just wanted to say, no matter where you live or work, these certainly are very challenging, demanding, and emotional times for all of us due to the COVID-19 pandemic. I'd like to extend a big thank you to all of you who are helping to navigate these stormy seas. Here at Hartford Hospital, several of our histotechnologists as well as lab aides have been moved to our specimen processing area to help out with the overwhelming number of COVID-19 testing requests. And I'm sure some of you are doing the same thing. So once again, thank you for everything you're doing and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll defeat this monster soon. I am the Director of Histology and Immunohistochemistry. And as some of you know, I'd like to call it Morphologic Proteomics now at Hartford Hospital in Hartford, Connecticut. I also serve as the Assistant Director of Anatomic Pathology, as well as the Director of Biospecimen Collection Programs. So I keep very busy. I've been here at Hartford Hospital for a very long time. In fact, uh, I think this is my 42nd year, and it's hard for me to believe that I've been working in the field that long. So Damien, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself at this point and what you're doing? Okay, well, first off, I'd like to reiterate what Richard said, the very trying times, but uh, we will get through it and uh, we will come out better on the other side of this. I'm a histologist and I specialize in arthropods or as other people might call them invertebrates. And I also specialize in uh, vertebrate musculoskeletal tissue. I run a small laboratory that works primarily on these two areas. And um, we do a lot of work, not only just for uh, structure, function, histology, but also immunostochemistry. So that's why uh, we're here today to talk about that aspect of it. I think I did my first immunoperoxidase stain, and I'll use the word stain because that's what we called it back then. Today we should call it a test, and I'm trying to preach that whenever I speak because it really is a very, very important immunological biochemical test that is very, very useful to the pathology community, whether it's diagnostics or in research. But I did go down to a workshop at the State University of New York at Stony Brook back in April, on actually April 18th and 19th, uh, which is almost hard to believe, 40 years ago. And Jules Elias, our dear histology friend, Dr. Jules Elias, was heading up this workshop. And as I said, it was a, a two-day, actually a, an evening, a Friday evening and a Saturday all-day workshop on immunoperoxidase staining techniques used in diagnostic pathology. And I always remember we did uh, immunoperoxidase, it's hard for me to say staining, but I'm gonna say staining for IgA, CEA, and alpha fetoprotein. And 
we had lab partners that that day on Saturday, and I couldn't believe it. I was a little overwhelmed because my lab partner was actually a very famous pathologist at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. So when it came time to do the testing of the slides, I kind of let him do everything, or that was my plan, but he immediately wiped the tissue off the slide. And I said, you know what? Maybe you should let me do this. And he said, I think that's a good idea. So we had a lot of fun and uh, boy, it, it created a lot of excitement with me with this technique. More importantly, I found out the true definition of passion from Jules Elias. And that's what really sparked my interest in this field. And eventually I felt that I needed to start this NSH award for people making major contributions in the field of immunohistochemistry. And Natalie helped me look up, I think the first award was uh, given back in 2009. So I think this is what the, Damon, you were the 11th recipient, if I'm not mistaken? I believe so, yes. Yeah. And you're just one of several outstanding laboratory scientists who have contributed an enormous amount of information to the histology, pathology, and research community. And I thank you all for doing that. And as Natalie pointed out, you were the 2019 Jules Elias Excellence in IHC Award winner, which I presented to you along with the president of the NSH in New Orleans. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Okay, now I'm going to be quiet and let you do the talking from now on. I have to say, though, I went through your nomination forms for the award, and they were very impressive. I'm overwhelmed by what people said about you a pioneer in the utilization of IHC techniques to study a variety of scientific questions related to arthropod immunology and morphology. You've had numerous contributions to the field of skeletal tissue histology, which is something I know nothing about. And I don't know if you remember this, but we spoke at the same meeting up in Saratoga Springs back on St. Patrick's Day in March of 2018 at the New York State Histology Society meeting. And I remember sitting yes. in the audience, listening to you speak, and I'm saying, wow, this is really, really something. So I'm looking forward to this conversation that we're going to have, and I'm sure our listeners will, will appreciate hearing all about your expertise. When did you first get interested in studying entomology? And I think you already answered this, but uh, I had a question about your, is your interest specific to arthropods? Well, I've been interested in entomology since I was a child. It, it really goes back that far. And I never saw it as a career necessarily. I, I knew that I wanted to study in college, but I didn't think that it would be something that I could turn into a career. So it became more of a minor for me and just classes that I would take in addition to what I was studying for my major, which was biology. Because I had ambitions on going to veterinary medical school or maybe even medical school and going into forensic pathology because that was also an interest. But I just, I loved it and I just didn't know what I could do with it at the time. And that not only with insects, but arachnids as well. So that's pretty much it. I guess um, it's just something that I thought was always going to be more of a hobby than anything else. It's, it's funny how hobbies can turn into passions and then turn into careers. No, absolutely. I, know what absolutely. I'm too. I noticed in your 
uh, CV, you did work for a medical examiner's office for a year or two. And I'm wondering if you could tell us what are the major differences or challenges that you face when working with the types of specimens you work with today versus when you worked with human tissue? Well, the main difference is that you really don't have the luxury of control. So a lot of my clients have to collect things in the field or specimens may be in a laboratory environment. They don't know how to sacrifice them properly or collect them properly for histology purposes. So we really have to guide them through that process and even send them reagents to collect in the field or guide them on how to do so and they're collecting in a laboratory environment. We've gotten live specimens in. We get those in quite commonly because it's easier for us to do that job for them rather than ask them to try to do it and then figure it out. So it's very different if you're dealing with a pathologist where you're doing something like a surgical excision or in an autopsy case where you're uh, taking tissues out post-mortem and you're there to cut them up and put them in formalin and everything is very, very controlled. So it's, that's the major difference right there. That's very interesting. So it sounds like minimizing the cold ischemia time, ensuring adequate fixation in whatever fixative that is are equally important to your work as they are with our work uh, with human tissues. Absolutely. Interesting. So do you remember when you did your first IHC, and I'll say it, stain? I do. I, I wanted to uh, talk about <laughs> Jules Elias as well. His book, Immunohistopathology, was really my, I consider to be my training Bible because before, when I was in my um, histology program, I remember seeing a copy of this book on the bookshelf. And I thought, oh, this looks interesting. I really didn't have any knowledge about IHC at the time. We touched on it briefly. Um, I'm not going to age myself, but <laughs> I've been in this field for a couple of decades at least. So it, it really wasn't as formal as it is today when, when people are going through programs that uh, they get a full curriculum on IHC and techniques. So this book really was my book that I used to educate myself on the science of IHC. And I remember, I believe that first edition that I saw that was on the shelf was uh, published in 1990, I think. I think there may have been a version of that before. So at the time in the laboratory, it was all clinical work. So a lot of the uh, breast cancer work, such as ERPR. So I would have to say that my first um, IHC assay was the estrogen receptor. And that was the first one that I was able to train on. Oh, that's very interesting. I know in uh, CAP today, the most recent issue, there's a discussion about estrogen receptor testing, and they're going to be reviewing the literature and outcomes and taking a fresh look at that. So very interesting that that was your first IHC test or experience. Now, I, I sometimes have trouble finding antibodies to proteomic targets that I want to identify but it must be very, very difficult for you to find at least commercially available antibodies to some of the, the proteins and other targets that you're looking for. Are they commercially available or do you make them? It's a combination of both. And we don't make the antibodies in the lab here. This is an interesting topic because 
many of the antibodies that are commercially available, and I think other people have spoken about this, are not always, you can rely on them to be very specific. So we have to do a lot of work to validate antibodies that we're asked to work with. So when something is a commercially available product, we look for specificity on a wide variety of species. So not just mouse or rat or rabbit. We want to make sure that these things have been tested, these antibodies have been tested in a range of species because very rarely are you going to come across something that is specific to insect tissue. So if we're going to be working with something that has come from a uh, vendor, we want to make sure that we're able to validate it and that the company has done due diligence as far as looking at it on a wide variety of species. So if something is coming from an investigator, they have worked it up themselves, they've tested it, the uh, usually Western blot. And so our job is to uh, make sure that it is able to be applied to a histological section. So it's not as straightforward as it would be for a laboratory that is working, um, either definitely not clinical, but also working with vertebrate research tissue such as your mouse or rat uh, tissue in a research laboratory on um, testing animals. So it's a, it's a very different approach to working with these antibodies on arthropod tissue. I, I would imagine it is. I remember during my training at the University of Connecticut, I did a lot of IHC testing on animal tissue, different animals, species. And we found some antibodies that we were using in human medicine would cross-react, but others would not. But the one antibody that seemed to label every species was S100. So yes. obviously, there be a lot of homology and commonality to those amino acid sequences for that protein. Okay. So I can give you an example, if I have time, I can give you an example, such as uh, myosin, for instance. That is a muscle protein that is also found in insect tissue. And we would be able to go to a commercial provider such as, uh, I don't know if it's okay to say a company name, such as Avcam, for instance. And they have a variety of options there that um, can be utilized for insect tissue, although the company has not specifically validated that antibody for insect tissue. So what we would look for is we would look for something that has been tested on the widest variety of species and where they have said that it should be reactive with or in. And that's how we start with something like that because that is a widely available marker and it is also applicable to arthropod tissue. Okay. Very interesting. You read an article in the paper the other morning about, for lack of a better word, I'm going to say a new breed of hornets, killer hornets yes. that have shown up in this country. And I was wondering if you could tell us uh, a little bit about this and what the problems associated with their appearance may be. Well, I don't know that I can really speak on that because I'm learning just like everyone else about this hornet. So I'm not sure that I can really expand on that. Uh, I know that I have not actually seen one, but maybe we might get one in the lab at some point, which would be pretty cool. It would. It sounds like they're <laughs> super beasts that we better be careful with. Yes, it, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. They're very interesting, and I would say even uh, beautiful. 
because of their size and coloration. Yeah, they had a picture of them in the newspaper and boy, they, they overwhelmed the other insects that they were attacking. Yes. Yes, I know that they are definitely, um, unfortunately, another threat to honeybee populations. And our honeybees are so stressed right now with everything coming at them, just from um, the varroa mites to now we've got the hornets to worry about. I just, I wanted to ask you in conclusion, it sounds like you might be doing something with your work in terms of turning it into artwork that might be available. That is true. I have been fortunate to have some interest in a lot of the photomicrography that I've done and still do. I've had a couple of uh, gallery shows. The last one that I did was at Grinnell College in, um, in Iowa. And I was part of a group show there of uh, biologists that are working imaging biology. So it's, uh, it's been a passion of mine because I think that histology, morphology is so beautiful. And that's really the way that we communicate. A lot of our work is through photography. So that's been a um, passion of mine to be able to actually show people that even the, the smallest things, such as um, a biting midge that you may crush, is, is just full of exquisite morphology. And I want to be able to show people that. Okay, very good. Well, uh, once again, thank you. Uh, keep up all the great work that you're doing. And I would encourage any of our listeners, if they have an opportunity to take one of your workshops or sit in on your lecture, that they do it because they will be so overwhelmed and grateful with the knowledge that you will share with them. So in conclusion, congratulations again on winning the Jules Elias Award last year. And thank you very much. I've enjoyed speaking with you and hearing about what you're doing. And thank you. I, I really appreciate this opportunity and I appreciate you sponsoring this award. That's tremendous. And I'm looking forward to uh, finding out who is going to be the 2020 recipient. That'll be very exciting. And I hope that we're able to actually come together in the fall. I hope so too. Okay. Thank you very much. Have a, have a wonderful day. And thank you. Uh, be safe. You too. Thank you. You too. Uh,